0: Okay. Um, were you so, in the middle of? Yeah, were you in the middle of saying something?
1: Yeah, well, I was just explaining the yeah. how we use confidence intervals, where it's, it's it's different. I think the other thing here. So we're saying a thirty six percent higher rate of higher risk of serious adverse events in the initial fire, Pfizer trial, but I, I think that the the thirty six percent it's it's not necessarily the 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 better. I think it's much more useful to talk about it as the the difference in risk and that we're per 10,000 participants. And that, for that, we had, it was an increase in 18 per 10,000 participants in the Pfizer trial. And Did, so
0: is that, does that equate to
1: 30%? Yeah, that's the, exactly.
0: Okay. So you know, that's the more useful to talk about in that? Term, well, in the terms? reason
1: why is because it depends, you know, if the event is, if the events are really rare, for example, you know, like with myocarditis, as you brought up, that probably increases like, it's like 500% increase or something like that. You know, it's, it's going to be a massive increase because it's such a rare event. And, but like a 500% increase turns into that, you know, one in several thousand. Um, But what we're the serious adverse events that we're talking about here are much more common than myocarditis. So Mm. having an increase in 18, 18, you know, 18 per 10,000 is, is, is much, it's, it's, that's a, that's a much more concerning number because, you know, if, if you if you, if you you know if you have a thirty six percent increase of a thing that's a one in a million, then you just have it happening in one point three one point three six in a million, mm, and that's not okay. that's not a big deal, right? Right. So so it depends on how common the events are that they're they're we're increasing,
0: right? Not not to undermine the myocarditis risk, which, like I was saying, best estimates that I've seen. The most rigorous analyses show about one in two thousand for a young men after dose two. Yeah, I've and seen I've seen
1: it. similar. I've seen one in three thousand to one in five thousand. Yeah. you know I think that there's there's going to be ranges on, on it, and it's probably also going to range again again on different in different populations. It might be somewhat different
0: yeah yeah there there was a good study done in Hong Kong because they have active surveillance as opposed to passive surveillance mm-hmm. i don't know if, I don't know if you know much about that whole system I'm still learning more about that
1: of the difference between them uh, yeah yes uh yeah active active surveillance is you're recording everything um essentially right. and passive is 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 waiting for someone to report it it's it's um it, yeah it's not it's not as good to it's not as good of a, a system for reporting harms.
0: So you, yeah, so the U.S. and Canada, we, so we have passive surveillance, yes. right? So that requires oh. doctors to voluntarily report vaccine adverse events.
1: Yes, uh, that's a, on VA- the VAERS system. There's that's essentially how we're doing it. Yeah, if if, if I see something in the ER that's that's okay. strange after in. Proximity to the vaccine, uh, we're supposed to report that to the VARES system, but it's it's very it's very time consuming, and and uh, I've reported things to to VAERS that they'll be calling me back on like seven months later to confirm if like if something is right, and uh, the system is, is far from i it's far from ideal, and it's it's very time consuming. So it's a I would imagine that a lot of people aren't aren't reporting perfect. We're not having perfect reporting.
0: Hmm. So yeah, and, and time consuming. You have to fill out a bunch of paperwork, right? You have to get a bunch of medical information from the patient, right?
1: Exactly. Yeah.
0: Right. Okay. Is Is there anything else that also makes it difficult? I'm just just very curious on what that's like from your perspective. Like you have to fill out paperwork, medical information. Is there anything else that makes it more time consuming as well?
1: No. No. Just filling right. out paperwork.
0: Right. Well, yeah. Which. Which. Yeah. Well. Then that. That's enough. Right. If you. I assume that that's a big deal when you're dealing with so many patients and you have so many things to do, like filling out some paperwork can be um, very time consuming. And so, so do you think there's an underreporting going on?
1: Oh, there there's, well, there's probably both. There's probably under and and, and overreporting. There's both uh, that can happen because anyone can report to the VARA system. Uh, Typically we think of the VAERS system as, as generally as being underreported largely. And, but, uh, it's so but there's also going to be over over reporting as as well that that could that could happen uh, and that mm-hmm. people would maybe can uh, you know people who are being overly sensitive to to uh seeing any any adverse event that probably may that maybe isn't even connected to the vaccine for example reporting you know but it's it's hard to know if there is if it, if there's some over reporting happening too but i'd say in general it's mostly going to be an under reporting issue right
0: right Okay, so back to the study we were talking about. Um, is there anything that you wanted to continue along those lines about the per 10,000?
1: Yeah, so for Pfizer, we found the difference of, you know, of 18, and that the confidence interval shows that it was 1.2 to 34.9, somewhere in that range is where we're saying we could be 95% certain that if you did the study again, you'll find somewhere in that, in that range, and 18's the the essentially the middle of that for Moderna, our, our range for the, just the serious adverse events is um, there's really no difference between the groups. And you can see that we found it was a 7 per 10,000, but the, the range of possibility was a negative 23 to, to 37. So that essentially means there's, really, there's not a clear difference between groups in the, in the Moderna trial. But the problem was that it seems that the, the FDA over overlooked this issue is that Pfizer removed their efficacy outcome, which means they removed COVID-19 related events, which is typical for, a if you're looking at safety, uh, to combine it with the efficacy of with COVID-19 events, that that creates a slightly different um, chart that creates what would be more like an all-cause hospitalization. Like all-cause hospitalization, this would be all-cause serious adverse events. And the Moderna trial did that. And um, we tried to remove the COVID nineteen efficacy outcome, but the problem is, for example, if someone had a heart attack because of COVID nineteen, I can't tell if that was because we don't have the individual data uh, that's not been publicly released. So, so we we're so Moderna included that, and if we could identify those serious adverse events, it would increase the. It would certainly lead to an increase in their rate of serious adverse events in the uh, relatively increase a relative increase for the vaccine Mm. actually a a decrease for the placebo is a better way of saying that
0: okay now you brought up this moderna issue um i'm just reading here when i was reading your study so i summarized it in my article and i said uh so the stunning finding was as follows the risk of serious adverse events from the moderna and pfizer vaccine exceeds the benefit of reduction of covid19 hospitalization in the analysis, Moderna caused higher adverse events than Pfizer, but both were elevated compared to the placebo arm. But you you just said that Moderna uh, had lower adverse events, right?
1: They, they they no, it's it's higher, um, but not it's not. So there's two different. We reported two different things: serious adverse events, all serious adverse events. So if you were in a, if you broke your back, you're coming in first. You it's going to be called a serious adverse event. Then we had the serious adverse events of special interest, which is when we actually took the list of those of the the Brighton collaboration list and pulled out only those serious adverse events. And for, for that, we found for for Pfizer, we found there was about 10 per 10,000. And for Moderna, there was about 15. Yep. Now. And the combined, we combined them,
0: it's 12. the trials, 5.
1: and then we find the 12.5, 12. 12.5.
0: 12. 10,000. So Moderna is higher. You were just saying Moderna, you didn't find a significant difference between placebo and the vaccine arm. Uh,
1: we, we didn't find, um, it for the serious adverse events, but when you do serious adverse events of special interest, the Moderna, the Moderna rate does look, look higher, but if if you're, we're going to do statistical significance testing on it, the Pfizer and Moderna separately, um, if you look at the confidence intervals, they, they slightly cross zero. So, so they wouldn't necessarily, they would be, you know, close to a P value of 0.05, but in the, when we combine them, the results become much, we have more power, we have more events. So the results then are, they're both clearly in the same direction. And at 12.5, then you can see the confidence interval is 2.1 to 22.9. So it's somewhere in that range for Pfizer by itself, it was negative 0.4 to 20.6. So there's a small chance that there's no, that there's no risk of difference there. Mm-hmm. And then for Moderna, there it's, the range is negative 3.6 to 30 to 33, essentially. And so there's a small, a small chance of it being negative, but then when we combine them, it, it's clearly in the, in the positive range. Right. Okay. It's a little confusing. I'm sorry.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, no, it's all good. But so, so can you just clarify again, so Moderna, it's 15.1 additional events for every 10,000. Pfizer, it's 10.1 per 10,000. Um, and that's for adverse events of special interest. But what you're saying is for the other metric, which is just adverse events. Uh, for that, you didn't for, for that you didn't find um, a difference between Moderna and the placebo but you found that but you but there you found the difference between Pfizer and the placebo right
1: that is correct yes and that is that's the data that was reported in the FDA briefing in the Pfizer Pfizer and Moderna studies taken exactly we right. it's not it's not manipulated or changed in any way there's no it's just counting the number of serious adverse events
0: okay and, and isn't that I mean, isn't that? And I want to talk about the difference between those two metrics: adverse events versus adverse events of special interest. But is, isn't it strange that um, that Pfizer showed uh, more adverse events than Moderna did in the initial data? When we know, you know, at least now, like Moderna is associated with higher myocarditis, and, and we also know that uh, Moderna has three times the amount of the. I forget what the exact what the exact term for that is, but the Material, messenger, the messenger me. RNA. Yeah, the messenger RNA. So that's three times as much. And so many people are theorizing that that's... So, so Moderna's therefore associated with higher adverse event risk because it has more of the messenger RNA material. I, Yet the initial data found that Pfizer had higher adverse events.
1: Yes. Uh, it, but, but what I'm saying is that they, the data is not... They're not presenting the exact same thing. Pfizer Mm. removed COVID-19 outcomes and Moderna included them. Mm. So for Moderna, they were reporting an all cause serious adverse event rate. So because, because the vaccines do reduce, they reduce severe serious adverse events secondary to COVID-19 that would basically put more, put more uh, serious adverse events in the placebo arm. It would, it would flood the placebo arm with serious adverse events that were related to COVID 19. Okay. So you're, you're, so when you do a harm analysis, you don't want to have the efficacy in there. It's not wrong to do both, but you want to have a harm, a you want to look at pure harm from a, a medication. And then look, when you're doing an all-cause, it, that's more of a harm-benefit type of analysis. Right. Okay.
0: And so adverse events of serious interest, is that a more rigorous or accurate? Or in some way superior metric than just looking at adverse events.
1: What what it does is it takes away um the no noise. So you know if you if you break your you know if you have a, a serious like you know if you break your femur, right? I, I, we don't you know that would not not be related. It'd be unlikely that that's related directly to the vaccine. So, mm, okay. but that's included in serious adverse events. So all serious, anything that's considered a serious adverse event is recorded. What serious adverse events of special interest does is it removes the things that are, that are likely not related to the vaccine. So that gives us, um, takes away some of the noise of, mm, got it, and allows okay. us to have to, you know, it's, it's kind of like looking at it. It's like I said, it's, it's more similar to like looking at it with a magnifying
0: glass. Right. So w- why wouldn't Pfizer and Moderna use adverse events of special interest? Because if, if they just use adverse events, wouldn't that um, be, be less favorable for their results? Because that would include any people who got the vaccine who had other unrelated injuries?
1: Well, it, it's pretty, it's tip, you should, we should, it's, you, you should report all serious adverse events. Um, this is an additional analysis on top of, on top of that. It's an, it's it's not that one should be reported and the other one shouldn't. We're we're reporting b- both of those.
0: Okay, okay, but but Pfizer uh, Moderna didn't do an adverse events special interest analysis, is no. That right? No, they did not. Yeah, they did not. Okay, but you did. So that that mm-hmm. is is that the novel thing of your study? Is that the novel feature that you look yes. at a specific so that- metric?
1: That is yes. Using that to look at serious adverse events,
0: right? Using that Brighton collaboration, exactly. List yeah. list of adverse events. Okay, and, and and I mean, is it strange that the Pfizer and Moderna wouldn't do that themselves? Or I
1: don't. It... I it's. I, I don't think it's. I don't. I wouldn't say that it's strange. No, it's. It's something that they could do, but uh, it's not. It was not required for them. Uh, it wasn't part of the FDA. Did not require them to to. To evaluate in such a fashion,
0: and so when you do the adverse event, um, so of the adverse events of special interest analysis, the vaccines seem less favorable. You you find more harm than if you otherwise just looked at adverse events.
1: Not it's not that we find more harm. It, we it basically allows for for us to to examine it more closely and take away noise the the events that are unrelated so that we can see if there's an actual difference so it it should there's it basically if you're you know like we saw with pfizer even it with no analysis that you can see that you can see the difference um and you don't see it with moderna but when you take away the noise it becomes more obvious the the difference becomes more obvious it's not that it's more it's just that it's we can see it clearer Mm. Because before, remember how I was saying with how there was a twenty percent increase in in serious adverse events with when when you just look at the participant level, the the, the participants. But then that, but that's not you know the way, as you were talking about for statistical significance and such. But you, you don't you won't find the statistical significance in, if you do it that way because there's too the noise gets in the in in the noise
0: blocks it. Right. Okay. So, okay, so you, the average difference you find is 12.5 serious adverse events of special interest per 100,000 individuals vaccinated. 10,000. 10, yeah, yeah, per 10,000. Um, and then as, as you write in the study, this uh, these results raise concerns that mRNA vaccines are associated with more harm than initially estimated at the time of emergency authorization. So, yeah. So 12.5 per 100,000 is what you found here. 12.5 uh, what, 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 yeah, 12.5 10, per 10,000. And what was the uh, – is there an analogous uh, estimation that was made by Pfizer and Moderna at the time? Because you're saying that this, is, this shows more harm than what they found before.
1: Yeah, we said uh, – yeah, it raises concerns that there is more harm than we originally – than yeah. and originally believed. But that's – yeah, they, they found that the, the serious adverse events, they, they called them balanced between groups. They said that it was essentially equal.
0: Mm. Oh, okay. For for both Pfizer and Moderna? Yeah. Is that, is that what you were already alluding to before? Between the Pfizer and Moderna placebo versus the vaccine arms? Like they, um, for, for them, they didn't find um, any significant difference, but you did. Yes.
1: Yeah, so if you count just the participants, then you don't see it. Then there does, the, there's a... A slight, what appears to me as a, a slight imbalance, there's, you know, 20, about, you know, 20, a 20% increase, but it's, it's not a large enough difference that it, it w- should raise any flags. Right. And so it was reported as n- there's no, no real difference between the groups. And we we're saying that we found, we, we did identify a difference when using these two, two methods of, of measuring serious adverse events.
0: Mm. And so, and so those are the two differences, just to clarify, you you, you l- use a special list of adverse events, and secondly, you um, measure just total adverse events rather than participants. Yes, so, exactly. So, is there anything else, or is just those two things? Is what that's leads it. to this different out? Okay, um, but but at the same time, you're also saying that it's not wrong what Pfizer Moderna did, or misleading in any way. Like that's also appropriate to do it that way. So, um, are, are you saying that? there's just sort of two different ways of looking at a problem and one is not, or two different ways of looking at a data set and one is not necessarily superior than the other. Or are you sort of claiming that the method that you use is more rigorous or more accurate or more telling of what's actually in the data?
1: No, I don't, I don't think ours is more telling. It's just that there are two okay. different ways of looking at, at, of asking the same question. And so mm-hmm. ours, ours finds difference and, and their way there and the, the other method that they used did not find the difference. So that it's just that the, now, if, if you mean for like, is, is just our, of our numbers, like are they more important than the ones that were reported by Pfizer and Moderna? I, I, I wouldn't say that they're more important They're If you're, when we're talking about harm from a medical intervention, uh, this would be, you know, think of it as this is a concern. This is a safety signal that there could be a problem here that if we studied this further, if the study was longer, if the study was larger, that, that both of these outcomes probably would be, would be con- I'd be concerned that both of these outcomes would be, we'd find the difference between groups. Mm.
0: Okay. Um, That's what I would
1: expect. I would expect that, that that we should be concerned that that would be the case.
0: That, that you would find ad- more adverse event signals
1: yes you could, that would be that's the that would be the large concern that this is a real difference between groups, and that if we looked at this further with more people, it would become clear that 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 it would become clear in both in both ways to that we can measure serious adverse events right
0: yeah so 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 we have so okay, actually I'll, I'll return to that point later but the other thing that I'm just reading now from my article um now that I recall you Uh, you also used a study population with median follow-up of two months or more after dose two. Um, 98% of the participants who used had received both doses, whereas the FDA's analysis included those with only one dose um, and people across a wide range of injection follow-up times. So that, so according to your study, the FDA's analysis of serious adverse events thus included thousands of participants with very little follow-up, of which the large majority had only received one dose. So that, that's so that's the third thing that you also that was different about your analysis is you excluded those cases.
1: Yeah, that was actually the, the FDA had a they had a two different populations because when they approved it, it was a it, they were you know an interim it was an interim analysis they approved they when they authorized the the medication they were in the middle of the trial so there was several thousand people who had only received one dose at the time that that the that that it was submitted so they created uh the fda actually demanded that there's a separate group basically where they said called a safety population and that safety population has to have this two-month median follow-up and but they, looked, but they looked at, um, their major report was in the total population, but this, the safety population was designed to look at for safety purposes. And so we looked at the safety population.
0: Mm. And so using the other thousands of additional participants with very little follow-up and only received one dose, so that if you do that, then you would, have, you would find lower harm because we know dose two could increase risk. And also if you have a little follow-up, then maybe you don't catch some adverse vaccine event that may, may come. I mean, after two months, I mean, from what I understand, usually you, you would in the following hours, days, or weeks, most adverse events would be captured. I'm not sure what you would get after two months, but perhaps having that broad range that you use the safety population that would, Capture more half. So yeah, half of
1: them. Basically, what it means is half of them had less than sixty days follow up after dose two. So in that population, fifty percent of them have have at least two months follow up, and fifty percent of them have less than two months follow up. So it's it's it would be ideal if everyone had two months follow up. That would have been the ideal situation to have to not include people who only had one dose, you know, Mm. this is this was something that was done to speed up the approval of the the vaccine, where it was a, you know, a a measure where they said, okay when you have this number of people, when you have half the people above 50 percent, 50 percent of them above two months of follow up, that'll be enough. To run a safety analysis, but of course it would be better to have all of them. But if this was, you know, th- at the time that this was done, we were, you know, this was every week that we're not authorizing this vaccine was the concern that people are are dying and, and that there was a a balance between safety and 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 getting it approved.
0: Right. Yeah. Um. So so just to clarify, so the study population that you used had a median follow up of two months or more. So that, so that means you also looked at people who had uh, – so, you, so you, 50% of the people you studied um, had more than two months follow-up and 50% had less? Yes. And in you're in – your, okay. Um, and 98 – okay, and 98% of the people you looked at had received both doses? Yes. Okay, whereas the F, whereas the Pfizer and Moderna analyses, they included a large percentage that had that, – had just dose one.
1: Yeah, they they included the entire study population.
0: Right. Okay. And so um, again, like what I was saying earlier, so that could so by by including the one the one dose, you would find potentially less harm because because we know dose two can increase risk. So so you, we, by you looking al- almost exclusively at dose two, you would find more harm than if you include dose one into the mix.
1: I don't think that you could say we know dose two. we're going to get increased harm with dose two. Uh, you're it's, it's you want to see it, it would be ideal to have the, have the data of the safety data after dose two in the event that more that these harms are coming after that, that additional events come from dose two. If, you know, it, as they were doing the study, they didn't know if, if, uh, so you're studying it to see if it's safe. And so you, it's would be, wise to to evaluate people after they, after they 've gotten both doses for it to see if there 's any safety issues, and so it 's reasonable to to do the analysis on both and and to be fair, the fDA did do it on on both but they the way that they reported it, the major reporting of it they 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 used the total population of that does include a large number of people who only had one dose and and in that one, the, the difference between the vaccine and the and the placebo is definitely smaller.
0: Right, okay. So because you exclusively looked at, or almost exclusively, 98% looked at dose two, you, you found uh, more uh, differential harm between vaccine and placebo than the FDA's analysis, which included the one-dose cases. Yes. Right, Be- because... With and no this is only for change. Pfizer.
1: This so is only for Pfizer? Pfizer. Only for Pfizer. Moderna, didn't, Moderna doesn't have this situation.
0: Okay. 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 So, but the, the, the other two issues we talked about, that's, that's for both Pfizer and Moderna, the counting, the, the way they counted the cases. And I forgot what the other thing was we talked about, um, the other difference in how you studied the data.
1: The number of events versus the number of participants and also that serious adverse events of special interest.
0: Right. Okay. Yeah. So what you were looking for. Okay. But this issue is only with Pfizer. Um, Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay.
1: So both Pfizer and Moderna both have their own issues with their serious adverse events and how they, how they were counted. Pfizer has, has this issue where, where, you know, 6,000, almost 6,000 people were excluded from The safety and from a safety analysis because they didn't have enough time, and then well, Moderna reported their efficacy outcomes and Pfizer didn't, so the, it, there was just slight differences in, in how they were reporting their serious adverse events between the two studies,
0: right? Um, so M- Moderna had on this front had didn't have that issue, um, but. I mean Moderna like we were saying earlier has three times the amount of messenger RNA material. And yes. just in terms of myocarditis I know there's higher rates for Moderna dose 2. Uh, I don't know if that overall I, I would I would suspect that that would overall translate to higher risk of adverse events of special interest from Moderna compared to Pfizer but um, we Can did you look at that at all?
1: Yeah, we can. Uh I wouldn't I don't think that we can make that statement from the data that we have. Uh, it's, okay, it's possible, it's possible that that's the case, but I, I'm uncertain if if that if we would find an increase in the rate of serious adverse events of Moderna versus Pfizer. And and this actually kind of comes to where how is it that we've made it to this point where they approved these different vaccines or authorized them, and then for a, now a year and a half. We still don't have any randomized controlled trials that even compare them, that compare Pfizer to Moderna that, you know, I understand that they, you know, they they ended the trial, they gave the placebo group the vaccine and pretty much ends the trial. Yeah, but we it still would be very ethical to we have three, three vaccines approved in this country and i think maybe even 4 now with novavax yet we don't have a single trial that has a randomized controlled trial that compared these vaccines to see if if they're more harmful in various groups if they're more which one's more effective i i don't understand how this is how it's possible that we've not even attempted to to look at this closer and to compare these to compare the vaccines that exist there's 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 no i can't think of a single reason why we wouldn't be doing that
0: yeah and wouldn't it wouldn't it be ethical to like take some cohort of people let's say just get together a thousand a thousand people with no comorbidities all between the ages of let's just say twenty to twenty five twenty to thirty half gets the vaccine half doesn't and knowing how extremely low risk those unvaccinated healthy young people are, just say that you you can't get the vaccine for. Like even six months or a year, you know, let's say you can't get the vaccine. We want to test long-term outcomes.
1: That, so that was, um, I, I think that that's, you know, people would debate on if that's ethical or not, but uh, I I think that what would clearly could have happened in this trial, and they were saying that this was going to happen in this trial, was that they were going to continue the, the, they were going to keep the trial going for a period of time, even after it was authorized. And that was spoken about. And it, that didn't happen at all. And it, it would have been ethical also to have have the participants basically contact the company when they became eligible for the vaccine in their region. And then that would have led to, then we would have had further data on on a large, everyone in the trial who wasn't basically an elderly or a healthcare worker, you know for it would have added a, you know that period of time when after they approved after they were authorized when you know only people over a certain age could get it there was a whole period of time where where they could have kept the study going for all the people that didn't meet that requirement but they they chose to unblind it and give the debt give the um the vaccine to the placebo group mm. right okay but, and then for, for, to come back to actually to the study that the the yep. other thing that we kind of did was we did this harm benefit analysis. We tried to do a harm benefit analysis, which is always a harm benefit analysis is always difficult because you're going to always be comparing things that aren't equal, right? Um, because, and you have to make a, a clinic, you just have to make a judgment on these things. Uh, for example, you know, with, with uh, Vioxx, this is a great example, Viox, right? It makes your joints feel better and it gives you less um, bleeding in the stomach. But it causes heart attacks. Those are two; these are two different yeah. benefits. This benefit, the benefit, you know, of not having a, a, st- a bleeding event in your stomach. That's good. Okay, less of those. Oh, but more heart attacks. These are two different things, and we just have to compare them, compare the numbers, and and so they're not. It's just not as, it's not straightforward. Of uh, it's not as straightforward as people think it can be. So what we did is we compared um, the rate of hospitalization reduction like that. The vaccines mm-hmm. achieved they you know th- they were able to reduce hospitalizations in the in the trials, and there wasn 't that many hospitalizations to begin with is the is the issue in the placebo group and it 's because Pfizer and moderna both used relatively healthy populations mm. uh, yep. even even their elderly population it seems were not particularly unhealthy, just judging by how few of them were getting hospitalized from covid and so the so what happened is we, when we compare that, we end up finding that there's more seri- we find more serious adverse events than we did um, find the reduction in hospitalization. Now, this mm. part of our study has been, I think, a little bit, I, I think it's been maybe not understood or, or misunderstood by some as us saying, mm. okay, this, this proves that the vaccine is more harmful than the, it's more harmful- beneficial.
0: Yes, more yeah. harm than benefit. And uh, but, but before you go on, are, are, are you going to go into the the differences between age groups? Like what you're saying is not a blanket fact about everybody. Is, is that what you're going to say? Like would, between old old like, people versus young people? Yeah.
1: we would. We there's yeah. so many things that w- can change okay. this harm benefit analysis. There's so many things, and see, you know the there's if the if the study was gone went on for longer, I presume that there would have been more hospitalizations. And there would have been a bigger benefit of the vaccine if they, if they had done the study longer for us to compare. But we, we don't have that information. But mm-hmm. also, if, okay. if the study was, you know, and as you say, in different age groups, because their chance of hospitalization is is widely different. You could I can imagine that it would be different, uh, you know, like where we could see like, oh, in this above this age group, there is clear, a clear benefit. Um, but below this group, it seems like we're having more harm than, than benefit. But we don't have that information. And then you also take it into a different time period and like, how would the vaccine harm benefits now compare with, uh, uh, you know, one of these, one of the new Omicron variants that clearly the vaccine's less effective at, um, it has, it has less of a, um, its efficacy is lower because there's more breakthrough infections and, and Mm -hmm so how would we then and also it's less it's less likely to harm put people to hospitalize people per each infection so now that so in under the mm-hmm. omicron variant the the vax the harm benefits scenario would would change also so what what our harm benefit analysis really the, what it should the way people should think of is that it more just shows the fragility of of a harm of where the harm benefit lies and how that small changes in 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 either benefit or harm can really change this equation dramatically. And so it, it's when you have such a fragile harm benefit, that's, that needs to just be considered. And we should be studying, we need to be studying it much closer, more. It, we need more, more randomized controlled trials on this. Not definitely not less as they just approved the Omicron variant with, a, with, with animal studies, with mouse studies. And instead right. of the, that should have been, this should have been we need larger randomized controlled trials to uh, and identify which group, if this if this is a benefit or a harm in each various group by age and risk factors and and under the current current uh, variants that exist. Mm. So it's it's more of a fragile. It shows fragility because you see, when, when you're dealing with other vaccines, we're talking about the harms of about one in a million. So. The, right. the, 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 there's no, you don't even need to do a harm benefit analysis because you're, you're like, okay, it's obviously going to be overall benefit here. There's this. So the harm is so low that, uh, that you're not even, they're not in the same ballpark. Mm. So, and this is something different because we're seeing that the harm and benefits are in a uh, pretty much, they are in the same ballpark. And that, that is concerning and we, we need to understand that better.
0: Yeah, actually, I want to linger there just for a second too. Um, that's one thing I've been trying to find better data on. Um, I wonder maybe we can take this over to email later. But I, I wonder if there are any um, studies or articles or estimates that would compare rates of adverse events in like the flu or smallpox vaccine versus COVID vaccine. I, I assume that's been done. I just haven't seen it.
1: Well, I mean, in general, the the. If you go on like the CDC, I think page they'll, they typically talk about vaccination serious adverse events at, at about like the one in a million. Is typically, what we're we're looking at.
0: Okay, versus the vaccine, I mean, is, is there a number we can put on that? What, what do you mean? Uh, like you so you said usually vaccines are, have a one in what one in a million adverse event uh, rate, but for COVID vaccines, what would that number be?
1: Oh, it's well. From our study, we're finding it at about. It's about, you know, twelve is is our twelve point five is the oh, number right. that we we've been looking at it's twelve point five in, in in ten thousand. You know, so that would be, you know, that's that's that over that's over a thousand in in a million. Mm, so okay. so, got it. so got it. that is, it, it's, it's a much higher, much higher rate of serious adverse events. For, for example, in, in, uh, we did a, there was a rotavirus vaccine that got pulled off of the market because it caused, uh, intussusception, which is a t- kind of this, t- your intestines sort of telescope on top of each other. And it, it basically was causing that, I believe at a rate of around one in one in 10,000. And that for that, we pulled it off the market and, now there's a newer one, a new one that that has a lower that doesn't cause that problem or as frequently.
0: Sorry again, what was the rate for the rotavirus? You say 1 in 10,000?
1: I believe it was about 1 in 10,000. Okay. Yeah, and you that got fired,
0: pull, it got pulled yeah. off the market because of 1 in 10,000. And you're finding 12.5 per 10,000. Yeah. For COVID vaccines. Now prior to your estimate of that 12.5 like apart from your study um, are there similar estimates for adverse no. events? No, Ours is codexes? ours.
1: No, there, there are, there, there aren't based on what we're no, there, there, there aren't, aren't other, other studies that have been, that have, that I've seen that have been published that, that, that try to estimate this. Okay. We are, we um, are, I think we are the first study to do this.
0: The first study to do what exactly?
1: To identify the, uh, an increase in, in serious adverse events. Okay. To find that there is the end to give you the rate, the rate and to identify a rate of, you know, there's, you can, you can find, you can use it. People have tried to do it with um the observational data. Mm-hmm. However, observe the observational data to figure this stuff out is really, really difficult because you see like we're finding like a, a 30, you know, 30%, 40%, somewhere in that range. Thirty, to, it's a thirty percent increase in, in in these serious adverse events. Now, if you find a thirty percent increase of serious adverse events in observational data, you really don't know how to interpret that. It's it's difficult to know because in uh, with observational data, it's it, it could just be because the people who got the vaccine are you know more they're they were you know of a certain group that they ended up having. So it's uh, in observational data unless you have like basically a 100% or 200% increase in the events, you you have difficulty saying ca- ca- that the, to declare that the, that the difference that you're seeing is causative. And that's why, you know, cl- classically, they'll always, say, you know, the term like causation doesn't, you know, like uh, association doesn't equal causation, right? Correlation mm-hmm. doesn't equal causation. And that's t- generally true, except for when it's like, 200% higher. You know, like when it's massively, uh, so when you see a massive correlation, then you start thinking, okay, that actually might be causation right there. But when you see just a small difference between them, it, you really can't, you can't be confident that you're, you're finding an issue. Right. And so the observational data will be very bad. It's not going to be able to, ident- it's going to have difficulty identifying this, these, these, uh this small increase in, you know, for but it, it ha- that actually has happened. I know the FDA did release uh, some data showing that there was about a fifty percent increase in heart attacks, a fifty percent increase in, in pulmonary embolism, and a fifty like about a it was it's in this range forty percent, fifty percent, same range as ours. Um, but but they they didn't know what to they didn't think that it was necessarily causative, but they did find the same thing.
0: Right. Okay. So is your study is the first study to identify the rate of adverse events associated with the COVID vaccine.
1: No, 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 no. The, the, the original ones did find the they found rates, but they didn't think that there was a difference between groups. Um, so well, like the, FDA the, FDA, the FDA, the Pfizer study, the Moderna study, yeah. they, you could look at it and see it, but they said there's no difference between groups. We're, we're the first that's finding a difference in, in, in the randomized controlled trial data.
0: Right, okay, so you, so your study is the first study to identify the difference in adverse events between the placebo and the vaccine arm.: Yeah, to identify a difference, yes. Right, and uh, with I don't know if you recall, but you know so're we're, we're dealing you know most vaccines have one in a million r- roughly rate of adverse events. Your study is founding about more than 1,000 per million, which is concerning. Um, And the Pfizer-Moderna data, do you know what they showed per million or per 10,000 or whatever?
1: Yeah, they're saying zero. They're saying zero? Yeah. yeah, Zero. They they found no difference between groups.
0: Oh. Okay. So they're finding zero per million. Yes. Uh, And and by million, we mean... um, but I guess you, we
1: we can't say zero because now they have the myocarditis, which you know, which is the one in five thousand right. in, in that group. So, but the original trial, yes, the original trial didn't identify a difference between the groups. But now we could say with the myocarditis that that's be, that's acknowledged, and so there is there is that. Right.
0: Um. Okay. So you you do a, the the risk benefit analysis, and so 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 again, you find that the risk of serious adverse events from the Moderna and Pfizer vaccine exceeds the benefit of reduction of COVID-19 hospitalization. Now, th- this is kind of a broader statistical point. Uh, it's, it's similar. I, I would draw the analogy to what, what I think is very misleading when people say COVID is associated with higher rates of myocarditis than the vaccine is. Therefore, everybody should get the vaccine. Whereas if you look at men under the age of like 40 you find higher rates of myocarditis from the vaccine than from infection than from covid infection so it's it depends on who you're talking about right so is that is that is is, is this a similar situation in that regard that what you found i mean i mean i i guess i wonder what the utility is of of that particular like finding that you found higher serious adverse events with the vaccine, than the reduction of COVID hospitalization. Like, who who does that apply to? I mean, is yes. that is, is that a like, broad statement? And that
1: we would like to know the answer. We yeah. we don't have that answer because the data is not released in, in that format. It if we could have done sub like a analysis of just of by age group, for example, that would have been great. But that the but Pfizer and Moderna have not made that data public. So okay. that's basically one of the major parts of our study is saying that this data needs to be made public so that we can do that analysis.
0: Right. And, and so the date, like the danger of misinterpreting that finding is that like, like that doesn't apply to everybody. Right. So like a 75 year old, like your finding there would not apply to a 75 year old in all likelihood.
1: It depends. we, We can't, without the, you know, when you, when you without the data, I, I can't say that it, who it applies to and who it doesn't. I mean, I think that we can make a logical, um, you know, assumption. Uh, yeah. Yes. Assumption saying, okay, these groups have a pretty high rate of hospitalization. Uh, but, and, but it's also possible maybe in the elderly, in an elderly group that they'd also have an increased rate of serious adverse events from the vaccine. So you can't make that, I, you can't make the jump. I think that Logically, logically, I would imagine that it's there's an age clearly where it would look like there would be a benefit, where there, you know, Mm -hmm. and so you end up there with a, a, it's, it's, it's. These are uncertainties, and that's why we need to to have more data on this, rather, you know, and more randomized controlled trial data to evaluate that exact question that you're asking. It's it's an important question,
0: right? So then, what? So what? What does one take from that finding then in terms of real world application or real world takeaway, you find more adverse events in the vaccine than reduction in COVID hospitalization. So who, I mean, what's, I guess who, who does that, I mean, we've already talked about the difference in who that would apply to, but when you have a finding like that, like you're, you're saying that not everybody should universally use that as um a way to decide whether to get vaccinated or not because there's so much diversity. So what's, so I guess, what's the utility of such a broad average finding like that?
1: I would say that it the first thing is that we should have Pfizer and Moderna should release their, their individual data so that we can better answer that question. That would be mm-hmm. the most useful, the, the, the clearest takeaway from, from this and that we, do need to be specifically it should raise a concern about mm-hmm. about these vaccines specifically in these groups who are who are younger who are have lower risks, and that we it should it should raise caution with it in that you know to say that these vaccines are safe that this questions if they if they are you know completely safe now if the mm. if the benefit outweighs the 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 harm. That's, then we could discuss that, but we need to. We need really good evidence that that that's happening. And without that, I, I feel I feel uncomfortable, you know, to recommend to recommend the, the vaccine. But mm-hmm. like, does this does this give me? Yeah, I, I can't say that this. I, I don't have that threshold that you're you know that you're talking about here. Where mm-hmm. where would when when who should take it? Who shouldn't take it? We don't. I don't believe that I have a clear that our study can identify that could answer that
0: question. Mm. All, all your, you, you, the, the primary takeaway from your study is that this is concerning. We need to look at the safety because they safe. The, the um, that there's potentially more danger associated with the vaccine than we thought. So yes. there are serious, there are serious and legitimate scientific concerns with the safety of vaccines given that you found a higher risk and while that risk is not conclusive or indicative of everybody but just that um that raises concerns for the overall risk for different
1: groups yes specifically that and specifically with as we're you know approving new boosters we we shouldn't just presume that it's that the vaccine is completely safe and that we don't have to worry about, about harms. And and as they, they've done with just doing a mouse study to approve the Omicron booster, that would, that to me is inappropriate and that it deserves a large, we need a larger scale trial. This is a new, there's a new Omicron spike protein in the, in this vaccine. Is that going to lead to more harm? I don't know. Or is it going to, maybe it'll be less harmful. We don't, we don't have that answer. And, to not mm. study it as a as a drug regulatory body, to not demand that these companies perform these studies is is reckless to me, uh, and I, I think that they really should be demanding. Uh, we, we should be demanding randomized controlled trials in humans large enough to detect these differences. Right. And, and that's yeah. more where, where this would te- where I would point this is to, this doesn't allow us to give, the study does not allow us to give recommendations on, right. on exactly who should or shouldn't get this vaccine, but it, but it, it really should, should raise concerns in our drug regulatory bodies that they shouldn't approve vaccines willy nilly with a, Just,
0: mm. yeah. And uh, I was reading an article in a mainstream media outlet where the journalist was it seems to be honestly just saying that um, with the new Omicron booster, they're just going to be looking at the antibody levels. They're not going to be looking at infection, uh, re- uh, reduction, infection, or hospitalizations, because quote, or I guess I'll parap- I'll, parap- I'll paraphrase it, but that those trials would be too expensive, is what the journalist was saying. Like, that's that's kind of the justification. That's too expensive, so we're just going to look at antibodies and then, and, and, well, First of all it's egregious that we haven't even done that yet we've just looked at mice and now we've preemptively approved it but there's not even like this not even like we're going to make up for it by by studying these, some of these important uh, metrics we're actually just looking at antibodies because it's likely too expensive that that's yeah. concerning
1: yes especially for a company that's just that's basically has the the greatest profit of of all time on any drug ever made was so so why why we think that they can't afford this is is beyond me
0: yeah yeah that's that, that's a good point that's very strange because i think last year was record profits for pfizer and i think they're about to surpass that record if i'm not mistaken
1: um, why why there's not enough money to study this doesn't make any sense if it, it, there's clearly enough money to study this yeah um you you yeah. can, you, you, I could see there could be an argument that there's, they, we need it faster. We need it quicker. Yes. That's yeah. maybe a reasonable. That's at least an argument that I, I could say is reasonable, but I, I don't think it's necessarily uh, safe. And doing antibody studies, besides the fact that those are going to be too small to pick up any safety concerns, we also don't understand what an antibody level is. Like it, we know it's, we, we can measure it but what does it mean? Like uh, how how much antibodies do you need to prevent, to, to, to be certain that, that the vaccine is preventing people from catching infections or reducing hospitalization. We, we actually don't know how to, uh, that we have no judgment for that. And even the FDA, the FDA even says on its, you know, you can go to its website. They say that we should that, or maybe this is possibly the CDC, but they say, do not use antibody levels as a, as a way to determine if you're immune to, to, to COVID-19 because we don't know how to interpret them. So right. it, it's, it's insane to, to, to use a surrogate that we don't understand just because mm. we can measure it.
0: Right. You're saying that's not a reliable measure for the, the efficacy
1: of I, I don't, particular medicine. Is there, there's not a number that, that exists. There's not like a, there's not a number where we say, hey, if your antibody levels are this high, we know you're, you're safe from COVID. I, I don't know of any study that's, that's you know, really demonstrating that. So, so I don't believe that we have, we don't actually even know how much antibodies a person needs for, for us to claim that, it, that it's doing the job. We're just showing that they're higher, they're higher than they were without the vaccine. Right. And, and that's what, what that I don't know what that what does that mean? It's not it's not clear to me of what that even what does that even tell me. Uh, so it's it doesn't tell me what I want to know. Am I immune to COVID? If I catch COVID, am I going to go to the what am I is this how, do I need a certain antibody level to prevent hospitalization? That's what I would you would need to know that information before you use it as a as your as your marker for figuring out if the vaccine works or not. And we don't have that.
0: Mm. Yeah, and uh, we were talking about this earlier. So the initial uh, Pfizer Moderna data, um, they looked at antibody levels and they looked at symptomatic infection for two months, I believe. Yes. Right. Okay, so they still looked at infection at least, but that was limited to two months only. Mm-hmm. Um. But but so sorry, you were just saying that we don't have data on what these antibody levels mean, but. What about all the reams of data assuming, well, I mean, I have no expertise in this, but all the reams of data that's shown in mainstream media and CDC showing reduction in hospitalization and severe disease and death in those who are vaccinated versus those who are not. Isn't that a clear benefit from those increased antibodies?
1: Yes, but we don't know the number. We don't know how much antibody you need. Like this is the, to, to, to use antibodies as your, as your surrogate marker, you want to be able to say like, oh, people who have above this level of antibody don't get, don't get infected or they don't go to the hospital. And then you'd say, okay, let's do an antibody study where we're going to, oh, look, everyone who got the vaccine has above that antibody level or, or, you know, 80% of people do. Then you'd have, that would be useful but we don't know that just because we know that the vaccine is associated with reduced reduction in in hospitalization and death. Um, that, that doesn't mean that we can presume that, uh, it's the antibody level is the, is what's called is, is, is what's, uh, the, that the number is, is reliable for figuring out if the vaccine works. The way you figure that out is you actually look at if the vaccine works, because it's possible that people can have high antibody levels and, and still be infected and with omicron that's we have we re- we really don't know cuz the how the vaccine's been working with omicron is clearly it's less effective against omicron and now this new antibody the new booster is supposed to have built a- a- omicron antibodies but we don't know if those are going to be useful for for fighting disease
0: right but arguably what we already know about reduction in hospitalization and death I mean that that alone, for let's say somebody who's in their sixties in their or seventies, that alone is is arguably persuasive enough to get the vaccine, even though we don't know what exactly the, that antibody number is, because we just want yes. this person to be safe and not not to die and not to I be hospitalized.
1: Ag- I would agree. Yes, that there's there's but, enough data that, but uh, but the, we don't have. I don't believe that there's an. I think for, for boosters and when boosters should happen and, and your age group, I, I do not feel comfortable with the current situation where we, we don't have the data on, on reduction in hospitalizations, reduction in death from, from uh, boosters. And you would want this from a randomized trial, not observational. Observational data for this is not, it's, it's not reliable it's really not reliable and and so you want a randomized controlled trial showing this showing that we have that getting a booster you know every 6 months reduces hospitalization that's that would be in my mind very a very important trial that should be getting done and we ha- we're not we're not doing that no one's trying to see if these boosters reduce hospitalization and at what time they should be given where we're just approving them and then doing observational studies that that find these associations, but they're, you you can't tell who would be, you can't once, once you choose to take the vaccine, once you choose to get the booster, you're a different type of person. You're a different person than the person who doesn't choose to get it. So there's going to be things that are confounded with that. So for, for example, if you, if you have someone who is basically a diabetic and let's say we have a 60 year old diabetic and, uh, and it has uh, on dialysis, on kidney dialysis. And there's, there, we have two 60-year-olds like this. One of them takes his medicine every day. One of them, he goes to dialysis regularly. The other one doesn't really take his medicine at all. Doesn't really, He misses his dialysis all the time. Now, of those two people, which one's more likely to get the vaccine? The guy who takes his medicine, right? Now, yep. so if we compare just the people who took the vaccine and the people who didn't take the vaccine, even if it did nothing you would see you could see a a huge benefit because we know also who if they got covid if they catch covid who's going to get hospitalized who's going to be more likely to die it's the it's the guy who takes less good care of himself the guy who doesn't take you know so so when you observational data is filled with these problems that are very difficult to account for
0: mm okay so you're saying it's possible that say somebody who's 35 um two identical 35 year olds one who gets vaccinated one who doesn't everything else is the same it's possible that that may have no real that the vaccinated person may have no real concrete benefit from uh vaccination in terms of COVID outcomes
1: in terms of hospitalization
0: yeah in terms of hospitalization, i, I think
1: i i would i i would say that um the you know observational data would not be the best way to determine that no cuz you can it's exactly. possible that it can it could be confounded with information you know f- that that shows that if you, if you don't account for the thing the the confounders and it, they're impossible to fully account for so it's it's a general problem observational yeah. data in general in general in medicine we know that observational data trials are are problematic like for example there was something uh called hormone replacement therapy they were giving it to all women in, in menopause and it was it became really it became quite widespread and it was they were saying that it reduces heart disease it reduces breast cancer and then once that and this was all based on the observational data and then when they finally actually did a randomized controlled trial on it, they found out that it increased heart attacks and it increased uh breast cancer. So the observational trial observational data was and and then afterwards we figured out kind of why the observational data led us astray and it's because they just ended up being a, a pretty much a little bit more like affluent women were taking the hormone replacement therapy. And they happened to have lower heart attacks and they happened to have lower rates of breast cancer. But the actual hormone replacement therapy wasn't the thing that that led to that, that because it actually increases it. So, so you, you, observational data can very much can often be misleading, and it's why in in why in medicine, we rely on on randomized clinical trials to approve drugs.
0: Right. So, well, in in that case, in the hormone replacement therapy, I mean, did they? I, I assume they at least would have done some comparison, some cursory comparison between those who didn't and those who got it. Otherwise, how how could you tell if um, this actually does reduce breast cancer? Like, I'm curious what, how they initially concluded based on the limited data that this did well, actually reduce some of these. Well, things.
1: there was like probably, they probably had hundreds of thousands of women mm-hmm. and then they had hundreds of thousands of women who were on hormone replacement therapy and they compared them to women who were, they thought were similar mm-hmm. who didn't get it and who didn't who aren't who aren't taking it yeah right and then they found in the observational data they found it, it looked like that the hormone replacement therapy was associated with decreases in heart attacks and decreases in breast cancer mm. so so it it got it wrong it got it, even the direction wrong it's not even that, the, that it was u- useless it actually increased it so observational data and, and, and it's because it, that's the whole purpose of randomization of why we randomize to make sure that the groups are the same you have to compare this the groups have to be equal and equal
0: randomization in terms of like, equal in terms of like age or other factors equal in everything
1: they
0: have to well be you equal can't in that, everything
1: though I mean, equal well you want to make it as equal as possible in that right. in that so you say you volunteer to be in you volunteer to be in a vaccine trial you volunteer to be in a study so just by that alone, now, you're both people who want to volunteer in a study. Now, so that's, that's a great, those two things now are, we could split those up based on their, you know, random, randomized people based on like age and risk factors. But we also have that they both decided to be in a randomized trial. Once you have a person who's decided to take the vaccine or decided to take hormone replacement therapy, now you've created two different groups that aren't equal because there are other things associated with choosing to take the me- the medical intervention.
0: Mm-hmm. Right.
1: Okay. That's, for example, the, for example, yeah. I'm sure wow. that unvaccinated people, um, um, there's probably more smokers who are unvaccinated. There's more, I know there's more obese, there's more obese people are actually more likely to be unvaccinated. So, really? so really? yeah, which is, it's just, you know, not what people would think, but that's the case. So, so you, when you're comparing these observational data, if you know, obese people, you can even account, you can account for that, right? You can say, oh, let's only compare people of the same BMI, but there's going to be factors you can't account for. And so that's the major problem of observational data. And then on top of this, with the publication bias that that exists, right? Uh, if, If, you know, when you're doing observational data, you can take, you know, a study that has a million people, but there's, you know, Three billion, you know, like how many people have been vaccinated? Four billion people. So you can do a study with a million people in, in a thousand different regions. And so if one study fi- happens to find that the vaccines associated with more hospitalization and more death, that study is not going to be published. That study, we have a publication bias problem. And the study that finds there's a huge benefit will get published. So, so we're stuck in a situation where, and and that could just, it could just be randomness that, uh, that led to the, the good outcome. So, so when you're, when, when we have a situation like that, that where the observational data, you can pick and choose which one, which, which region to report it from, you end up with, you're going to end up with different answers from different places. And that's problematic too. Mm -hmm.
0: And just to put a finer point between observational and random data, the hormone therapy example we're talking about, I mean, before you just have kind of roughly, you know, what, what, however they looked at it, women who took it versus didn't take it um, initially. But then in the randomized situation, what you would do is w- women who do take hormone replacement therapy versus who don't, but you, you like you control for age or you control for other risk factors. And then that would give you a more equal comparison
1: right, with an observational study.
0: Uh, no, I'm talking about randomized now. So, in randomized, oh. what you would do is you, you, would, you would have women who took it but, and didn't take it, but you would compare like the equal ages and r- risk factors. And, and I'm not sure what else you could even yeah. look for, but. Yes, exactly. And But just the fact that it's random,
1: that you're you know if you have a large number of people and then you randomize that, that they split the group up, the randomization process ensures that you'll have people on each side at about equal rates. Mm hmm. That's the, the the purpose of randomization is to to create a scenario where the groups are equal, right? Equal equal in numbers, equal in 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 anything that could affect how the drug works. You you're right. taking groups that are both have signed up to be in the study, so they're and then you just if you have you know fifty thousand people for example, and then you said twenty five thousand over here, twenty five thousand over here, it's just going to work out that by the rent by randomness that that's just how things are, you know, mm-hmm. if, uh, you know, like let's say for example, uh, everyone puts on a 25,000 people, you know, you have some people are going to put on a, a red stripe on their shirt, right? If you, if, uh, if, you know, let's say 10% of your crowd has a red stripe on your shirt and you randomize 25,000, 25, people, you'll end up with about half on half on each side. Mm hmm. Right,
0: got it um, and uh in in terms of just the broader implications of your study, I and mean, we've already talked about that like your as it relates to the present moment with the omicron booster being authorized, you think that's you know egregious because they didn't test that they preemptively approved it based on mice data you know like your study is showing a serious um, concern for adverse events and that what what we should take away from your study is that these vaccines should be more thoroughly tested before being authorized approved and broadly recommended whereas we're heading in the opposite direction less data less understanding of what this is going to do and more approval more authorization so we're kind of going in the opposite direction of where your study should point towards
1: I, i would agree with that yes right this points to needing more data, not, not less.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, is there anything else that you wanted to touch based on our conversation? Anything regarding um, these vaccine trials or what's happening with the Omicron booster, anything else that seriously concerns you? Um, I think we've hit
1: on most of the, the points here and okay. pretty good, pretty good detail. Yeah. But um, yeah, no, I, I, I can't think of a, uh, something that I, I need to t- need to add.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, oh, oh, well, yeah. One thing I was going to ask you is you published, you published this in a Japanese medical journal, right? It's called vaccine. It's not Japanese. It's not, it's not Japanese. No, Why I don't believe I, so. Cause when I clicked on it, I swear almost it went to a Japanese webpage. <laughs> Maybe I'm wrong about that. I,
1: I, I definitely do not think that it is a, a Japanese paper. I believe it's a, no, I, I, I do not. I believe it's based in the United States, but I—it's I, definitely not a vac. It's vaccine is a is a. Uh, yeah, no, I really I don't know where you got that from.
0: Oh, not yeah, at all. I wonder, I wonder where I got that from. <laughs> yeah, I'm just looking at it now. Vaccine X is the name of the publication.
1: Not vaccine X.
0: Um, or maybe that's an accompanying. Oh, journal. I
1: understand. I, I look. I'm, it's it's the official journal of Edward generous society and Japanese and they're saying that and society, a Japanese society for vaccinology. So it's, but it's not, it's not based. It's just, it's just their official journal.
0: Their official journal is sorry. What's the tie to Japan? (laughs) There's some Japanese society for vaccinology that
1: considers it an official journal of, of, of it. I mean, it's, Um, it's, 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 it's it's the publisher's Elsevier, and they're United States-based.
0: Okay. Oh, yeah. So here, I'm just looking here. It says, so I'm on Science Direct. it says the vaccine journal. It says this. Okay. Oh, got it. Okay. So I, I confused that. It says this is the official journal of the Japanese Society for Vaccinology. So that society has chosen this as their journal. That doesn't mean that it's their journal. They, they've yes. chosen that as their, okay. Yeah. That, that can be very, <laughs> I can understand why that was very confusing for me. Um, got it. Yeah, well, what, yeah. What I, what I was going to ask was, did you have trouble publishing this? And what I was thinking was, maybe you published it in a Japanese journal because it was so, because of some censorship issue potentially, which I know has been going on with some other. So um, yes, I, I can study. talk to that. Actually, that actually okay. is an important
1: point. We okay. we submitted this to five journals uh, before it was approved, and we were rejected quite swiftly and without uh, without without um, adequate explanation. And we found this uh very concerning. Uh, we felt that, yes, we do feel that there there was v- v- like fear of to publish this This is why we initially released it as a preprint because after submitting it five times over m- months we f- we thought it was you know maybe going to take us many, many more months before we got a, a journal to to accept it. And we thought that the the results were important and needed to be made public so we we decided to publish it in a preprint uh yes so, so it was five five journals rejecting it we found to be inappropriate, very inappropriate because it it that we don't think that there was you know that if when there's they have to choose between lots of articles you know that are going into them, and to say that this one is doesn't reach the like the level of importance that they believe you know that without without critiquing you know it's one thing if they' critiquing the the content of the paper and saying oh this is a problem because of this and this is why we're not publishing it but that's not what was happening they're just we don't well this isn't important enough for for our journal maybe try somewhere else mm. is, is that so, common
0: practice like for a yeah. journal to reject like for a journal to explain why they're rejecting
1: the well paper? usually if you get to peer review um mm-hmm. then the reviewers go over the article and they decide if if it's uh you know if the content is is good if it's the methodology is good, and and then it would be a, then the peer reviewers either say yes we should approve it we only had it go to one one only one of those five did our article go to peer review, and even in their, their peer reviewers uh, reasons for rejecting us were were very unclear, um, uh, they they didn't they didn't withstand normal a normal argument of, of, of a rationale to not, to not publish. So Mm -hmm. this was, this definitely, we do feel that, that, I mean, anyone who's publishing on, on topics such as these is, 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 has a lot of, there's a lot of resistance to publish.
0: Mm. And so the other four didn't go to peer review that you were rejected by. Yes. So um, is it common practice for like, if a paper doesn't go to peer review and it's just rejected, is it, is it a common standard to explain why it didn't go to peer review or that's, why it was
1: that's, rejected? Yeah, it's a, a brief uh, explanation was given usually, and uh, it's pretty common to say like that. You know, like either it doesn't, you know, meet our journal's. Uh, it's not on. T- it's not on the right topic, or it's basically of not basically. They they basically don't think your article is important enough for their journal, so it's a, uh, but. Yeah, so that they, they decide if it's going to go for peer review, and a lot of it's most studies that you know you work on aren't aren't that important. Is the reality? <laughs> it's 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 a sad realities. Yeah. Most studies you work on aren't that important. Yeah, but this one was clearly very important, and and so it it was to the point where we knew this because the FDA um, met with us for at least an hour to discuss our findings before it was public, a preprint. Oh, so really? if, the FDA, if the FDA is is taking you in for a meeting because they're concerned about your 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 article, if they think it's enough to to spend an hour with the top with top people from the FDA, I, I can't understand how how journals wouldn't think oh that's something that we should probably that the public should know about because the FDA even spent t- took it seriously enough to meet with us. So you, it's kind of you, you you never really know if the thing you're working on. If you just think it's more important than than it actually is, but in this case in this case we we felt that the fact that the fda would meet with us that we, we could tell that that was that meant that there was something very we we had something very important that should that should not have been rejected right. in the way, in the way that it was
0: yeah so so they didn't say this is not important because well that would be stupid <laughs> if they if they had said that they didn't say it wasn't important, nor did they they did.
1: They didn't say it in that, in those terms, but yes, they said, you know, like we get thousands of journals submitted to us every year. And, you know, we, you know, we can't, can't, uh, we don't have, to, we can't publish all of them. And, you, you know, our thoughts are, oh, you get thousands of like, oh, what, what are you publishing this, this next week? That's going to be more important than, than this, this study. Can't wait to read your, your journal, your upcoming <laughs> journal. Cause it's got to have to have some pretty important things in it to out, to out, to out, you know, to be more important than this study. And so yeah it, it's essentially it's, it's it's implied that 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 it's being rejected due to you know lots of other articles that are had, that they're going to publish.
0: Right well sorry I'm a little confused so did, did they say to you the other four journals that that this is not important or are you implying
1: that it's implied it's implied by saying there are thousands of, we get thousands of journals basically and we can't accept them all implying so we're going to we're publishing other ones that are you know of Right it's 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 they're not rude. <laughs>
0: Right, right. Okay. So yeah. So so they did tell you that we're we're publishing thousands of other papers and we can't do we, we can't publish no. yours. They, they did we, say that. Yeah, we get submitted thousands of articles and we yeah. ha, you know we
1: have to we have to choose which ones and this one you know doesn't meet our our standard essentially, you know.
0: Right. Okay. That that's roughly what the four journal said to you. More or less. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. That is that that is very concerning, um, and, and nor nor. Nor, it's not that they gave like an explanation, which they could have, right? Like there are serious methodological flaws. in The study, we don't want to publish something that has exactly this many er- that, this, uh, has this many errors and could potentially wrongly exactly. promote that, vaccine hesitance. Like that's not that's not that the line would of conversation. Be,
1: that would have been correct, yes. If they if they were arguing okay. based on a a critique of the study of the findings that they don't believe that our findings are are real um and, and in the peer review process they, they did say their uh their uh critique of it was that it doesn't line up with the observational data was one of the, was the critique they had which which as we were just pointing out is 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 silliness because if you have randomized controlled trial data you're, you you can not use observational data to, to to determine that what that finding there is is not real because of those problems we had discussed. So, so it's, it's pretty, it was pretty strange to have, because, and, and everyone who's does science knows this, that, that you can't use observational data over, over randomized controlled trial data in, to, to, to get rid of, of, to say that the result's not real. Sometimes observational data is needed because the, the harm is too rare. A harm is too rare, like myocarditis. We didn't see a, an increase in myocarditis in the study because it's too rare of a harm and but we did pick it up in observational data and there that's a that's a much more rel- that's reliable for rare side effects but if you find the difference in a randomized trial there's no amount of observational data that you can do that says like oh look we're not seeing it here like don't worry about it it's not real cuz it could be hidden
0: right and sorry you said that one of the journals said that um this isn't match with observational data therefore we're rejecting it yeah was that one of the four? No,
1: that, I believe that was the one that where it went to peer review.
0: Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, that's a hell of an explanation. <laughs> it's a bad <laughs> it's explanation, a, yeah. That's a very bad explanation.
1: I would, oh, and so that's my, you know, there there are legitimate critiques of our study, and and there's le- legitimate limitations that you know we discussed many of them actually, you know, and that. The harm-benefit analysis, you know, shouldn't be used in in such a way that we use events instead of participants, and that has implications that are are important. How, however, you know, the, the critiques of this, uh, those limitations, we we uh, discussed them in in our paper. Um, another limitation of our our paper was that we compared the number of events, right, as we discussed, and we compared that with the number of hospitalizations. That is not. Um, that's not great because, because that's going to make it appear like the, the vaccines worse because there's going to be multiple comparing multiple events and presumably everyone's gonna, who got hospitalized for COVID is going to only have one. So what we did for that, we, we had made an adjustment with it and said, okay, let's how many multiple events are there. And we made, and we account for it and we, and we showed that it was still higher. That the vaccine still still had more serious adverse events than it reduced hospitalization, even if you account for the multiple events. So it's it's so so you know there's there was legitimate critiques of of our our paper, but we we believe that we accounted for those, we brought them up, and we're discussed, and that 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 doesn't change the conclusion uh, of the the any of these limitations don't change our conclusion, which is that these findings raise concern. Raising concern is not is not we're not making the, the you know this bold over over exaggerated uh, claim, mm. so it's
0: right. But but if you if you had just looked at uh, participants who had adverse events versus what you looked at, which was just adverse events, that that could that would th- that is what Pfizer Moderna did, and so they they didn't find a big increased risk associated with the vaccine. So by you looking at number of adverse events you're finding higher risk. So that so that that's just a difference in how you chose to do the study. So that, that could be used as yes. a legitimate and that's,
1: critique. It's 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 a legitimate critique, but the the problem is that what you would need to show is that that why why would choosing number of events bias us? It, it, it there should be the same number of multiple events in the vaccine in the placebo group if there's no if the vaccine isn't causing any any of these right it should it should work out random in both they should be they should be about equal if' you're, if you're if there's no if the vaccine isn't causing them so the the problem of saying that oh it's 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 not an appropriate way to measure it is 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 nonsense because it is a way if there's m- more events in the vaccine if there's more events in the vaccine arm, then why are there more events there because the only difference between these two groups is one of them got the vaccine and one of them got the placebo so Saying that, oh, we don't like counting number events. That that's that to me is not, it's 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 a uh, it is not a it's not a reasonable critique to the point that that oh that's that it's totally inappropriate to, to method to use. Doesn't that doesn't make sense to me? Because there shouldn't there shouldn't be more if, if you're claiming that there's no difference here that there's no, the vaccine doesn't cause any adverse. Events, there's you shouldn't be able to analyze the result the results as we did and find the difference.
0: Right. But uh, what you were saying? Sorry, can you still hear me? Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, sorry, but you, you were saying also if you if you don't do that, if you still just look at, so, sorry, so if you just look at participants who've gotten adverse events, then you don't find a difference, correct?
1: Yes, yeah, the difference isn't as there. There is still a slight more in the vaccines, but it's not enough to that it would, you know, it wouldn't. It wouldn't be raise a, it doesn't raise a a flag necessarily, but I I actually also think that the difference in the Pfizer trial is, is concerning enough that it should have, it should have involved further investigation.
0: Right. And that's that 20% we were talking about. Yes. The 20% difference. Is that the difference in the Pfizer or Moderna? That's in Pfizer. Right. Okay. Compared to your, I think you said 36%. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right.
1: So, so yeah, I, I, believe that when the FDA saw that there was that difference, they should have probably paused. You know, they had an additional almost almost five thousand, six thousand people who only had gotten one dose, and it, this would have probably have been a, would have been reasonable to say, hey, look, that difference is is pretty close. Um, why don't we look what happens with these other five thousand, six thousand people, and when when after they get their second dose, if we just wait two or three weeks, we'll we'll have that. You know. Three weeks probably, they'd have that information, and instead they they just chose to authorize it,
0: right? But yeah, I, and then we have all we have all the observational data as well, like 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 many anecdotes, many reports of people right after the vaccine have some health consequence that results in hospitalization or doesn't. But 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 we know it's 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 obvious. Other than like even other than myocarditis, there are many many. Uh, adverse events associated with the vaccine that we know is the most likely causal, or we know it's absolutely causal because it just happened right after the vaccine, like an hour later.
1: We don't, we don't I mean, I mean, can't. even
0: then, I guess you couldn't even like hundred. You couldn't even say it's a hundred percent that maybe. No the person was going to have a heart attack that day, anyways.
1: Every you know? every day, someone's going to have a heart attack.
0: Right. Yeah. So, so if so- somebody has a heart attack half an hour after the vaccine, you can't say that it was the vaccine. Yes.
1: It's it's the. The, the the problem is this observational data. So for, for evaluating the benefits of, of the vaccine, the, you know, we have the general culture, which is very comfortable with using the, this, you know, Oh, we can, we're seeing this benefit and we're using observational data, real world, real world data. Um, however, you know, like what you're pointing out here, where, where if there's a connection between harms, then, then we say, oh, it's observational. I'm not, I'm not worried about it. Or, you know, it's, it's, (laughs) this is not how we, we typically do, do things. This is not, it's, this is a very unusual how this is being treated.
0: Right. And just to, you know, summarize what, which is kind of one, big thing that I've kind of learned in this conversation is that, um the, the the problem with all the figures showing that vaccines reduce hospitalization, reduce death, reduce severe disease, you're saying all of those figures are from observational data, not from randomized data, so therefore there's a lot of confounding factors
1: that is a, is a concern. but in, in the clinical trial there was a we do see a reduction in hospitalization so so I, I do believe that at least with the old variant. Under that scenario, for the mixture of the age group that they had in the clinical trials, they the vaccine was associated with a reduction in hospitalization. Um, it, it was not associated with a reduction in death because there was only a handful of people that I think there were two two that died in the placebo group and one that died in the vaccine group from COVID nineteen. So there is no we we don't that's not a big enough difference to make a judgment on, and so all, all of our all of it is based on observational data which. I, I find that it's the it's not ideal. That's not an ideal way to, to be making it. It's it's less reliable than than from a randomized trial. So it's but uh I believe though that the one thing that I do believe that you where the observational data actually makes does appear good is that because we see the effects waning with time. Mm-hmm that to me is actually very good evidence of that that the uh, that the observational data is is somewhat reliable because now we're because you're seeing a, you know this consistent waning of of the effect and and that can't really be explained by group differences that i was pointing out before so the fact actually that we can see it wane the the efficacy is actually to me the best evidence of that that of the the op- supporting that that observational data of reducing hospitalizations and death is real the fact that we see it go the fact that it goes away after a couple of months
0: right and, and sorry i thought you were saying before that the initial trials only were looking at symptomatic infection for two months and antibody levels but you're now saying that they also looked at hospitalization
1: i mean we compared it for, in, in our study they they didn't they didn't uh it wasn't one of their outcomes we, you had to dig for it to find the hospitalization rate oh okay it just wasn't one of the things they reported on um I don't know why, but it seemed would seem to be a thing that would you should be reporting on but they 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 had it you know only mentioned in the back of one of their it, it's, it's you had to we had to dig very deep we couldn't find it for Pfizer for a long time actually and uh really? so yeah and it's it's it, the numbers are pretty small for both it's i think it was Five yeah. and nine, like five hospitalizations in the Pfizer study and nine, I right. think, in the Moderna. So it's, but but nine, it was nine versus zero. So, which which doesn't actually yeah. even make sense to me because one of the people in the vaccine group died. But whatever that, it, but they have <laughs> they had they clearly did they they did look like they were reducing hospitalizations in the randomized trial. But it's just the analysis of it isn't isn't great, and so we're stuck with a it, it would have been good if it was more if it was more openly reported
0: right both moderna and pfizer had looked like they had recorded the hospitalization rates but they didn't like, like that was not part of like their whatever like their final analysis like yes there's no there's no there's
1: there's no there's no section where it's discussed it's 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 right, it's, but, it's, it's, okay. it's, it's it's like a you could find it somewhere it kind of hidden in one of the documents
0: that's both for Pfizer and Moderna? They
1: did that? Yes, it just wasn't. It wasn't
0: part of their analysis. It
1: wasn't, it was, you know, it's in, it's in a table in one, one in Moderna, and there's a sentence in one of the many documents on Pfizer that, that reported it. And so we, it's, so it's just, we don't have as much, it's not, per, it, it's not perfect to use that, but it's, I think it's, there is, I think there is evidence, there was evidence, I think, in the randomized trial for reduction in hospitalization, but it's not clear cut.
0: Right. Okay. Okay, so so we basically just have real world data for that. Like that's the most rigorous data we have, and so so if somebody and I've had these conversations, if somebody's talking to me, you know, Rav, uh, vaccines reduce hospitalization by. I'm not sure if there's even a universal number for that. Like I think I've heard fifty percent or something, fifty um, sixty <laughs> um, percent. Is there a number that you've heard that's well? Most here's here's
1: here's the problem, right? So you yeah. in the randomized trials we saw that they there's so if there's a reduction in hospitalization in the trial why why is there a reduction is it because it blocks infections or is it because even in the people who get infected it it reduces their chances of of severe disease and hospitalization what is the right? point but,
0: that you hear all the time in, in the right yes and, but, exactly yeah.
1: so now yeah. those are two very different questions because i i don't see that um in the randomized trial data i don't see that uh, it looks more likely that that uh if it was doing this in the in the trial, it looks like it was doing it by blocking infections. So once we start seeing the breakthrough infections, to then use randomized controlled trial data, to then use observational data to claim it's reducing death and hospitalization, is it, it's it's that's it's 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 concerning because I, I think it might it's very possibly true, but but it, it depends on how this vaccine is. Re- how it's reducing hospitalizations and death. And, and right now the current like, thing that people are accepting is that, is that, okay, it's not blocking infections really well anymore, but it's really, but when you do get infected, it makes it less severe. And I, I, I don't know that the, that the trials support that, that um, interpretation. I, I'm, not, I'm not certain that they do. I don't want to say that they don't. I can't say that they don't because I, I've just not seen that type of analysis done. Uh, that, you right, know,
0: because they because they only looked at two months, right? So I assume there wasn't <laughs> a large number of well, people. Well, we don't know. We don't even know how many people were infected. <laughs> right. Okay.
1: So, so you, so it's possible that that the way that they reduced that it, the way that it reduced symptomatic infection is that the same amount of people were infected in both in both arms, but we only saw symptoms in, in one arm. We only saw, but the placebo group was more likely to have symptoms, but maybe the vaccine, they were getting infected at the same rate. But most people, I don't, I don't think, believe that that's what was happening in the trial. I think most people tended to believe that it was reducing in just the number of infections. So, so it's, it becomes, it's not, it's just not, these are questions that are real questions and that uh, they should be getting talked about. But the conversation on this is, is very difficult because no one is, uh, you know, he to even raise these questions brings, brings it uh, with it attacks of, uh, you know, you're an anthraxer <laughs> right. or, or, you know, like you don't care about people. Uh, so yeah. it's, 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 it's a very toxic environment to like for, for science to be able to solve problems with that kind of uh, environment going
0: on. Yeah. So we really don't know that if you get infected um, and if you're vaccinated, you're better off. In terms of severe disease and death. I don't, I I don't, I would say that I, I don't know that. I don't, I don't, I have
1: not found, I have not found there's, you know, I know that in the observational data, they have that, but like we said, there's, there's reasons to have concerns about the reliability of that. There's multiple reasons. And so so it's just, yes, it's, it's, these are, there's uncertainty here. There's some uncertainty on this. And I, I don't think that, I, I think that uh, this is kind of a major issue that's happened throughout COVID in a lot of different areas. And when speaking on uh, levels of certainty, when we really don't have a, a level of certainty, and, and that's definitely true in, in this case. And that, like, we could say, like, you know, the, the observational data is suggesting that, that it reduces hospitalizations and death. And, and here's why. And the argument that I've given you of that, that the fact that we see the, that benefit wane with time is I, I've never even seen someone report that that's actually the best evidence of this because they've already quit trying to say, like, we need better evidence. So no one's, no one's even, like, used <laughs> the actual thing that is the best marker of, like, that, why the observational data is reliable because no one's even challenging that, the,
0: that, the, <laughs> that it is that there's a problem here. Right. So, but the observational data does suggest that it reduces serious disease and death when you get COVID. Yes. Suggests. Suggests. And so how would it suggest that exactly? What's the rationale for that? People
1: who have the vaccine are hospitalized less or, or die less. So that's, that, that suggests, that can suggest that, but it doesn't mean that the vaccine is the thing that is doing it. It's associated with it. Right. It's correlated. The correlation and correlation doesn't equal causation and it's like the hormone replacement therapy problem where you, until you ran through the randomized trial looking at that exactly like we, like we i would really want to see a booster trial uh that, like that was large enough to see to to show this to show that that it's reducing hospitalization and and death that would be ideal and that wouldn't be that di- it wouldn't be difficult to do it's very reasonable. We just need to bring the people in the trial need to be older and be more likely to be hospitalized, more likely to die from COVID. And then if these thing, if they do work, we should be able to see that difference in a randomized trial to be certain that this benefit that we're claiming it has to be certain that it has that. And that's the standard that we have for all medications is that we show that the drug actually works in people and, and, and gets us the benefit that we, that we need you know that the, the benefit mm-hmm. that matters not a surrogate outcome when we mm-hmm. use surrogates such as antibodies or or even symptomatic infections it's it's um we tend to often get surprised when if the real when the, the, the study looking at the question that we care about is done in clinical medicine we you know we get, that often leads to a surprising result that people weren't expecting mm. So, so, so I think that it's, there's just needs to be some, some caution in saying, just because we have observational data saying, saying that, that this, it's suggested that it does this. It, once you have to have randomized trials data saying that, and it's for, I don't, for example, is it, does it, does it reduce hospitalizations during Omicron? I don't, I don't know. They're saying, they say that it does, but to know that you need a randomized trial demonstrating that.
0: Mm, right. So you can't say like, like for me as a 21 year old, you, you can't, there's no evidence to, to definitively say, rather, huh. if, you get the va- if you get the vaccine, you get the vaccine, you're going to have lower risk of death and hospitalization from COVID. Not, you can't actually say that.
1: Not no evidence. No, 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 you can't say there's no evidence. There is evidence. There's observational I was saying no,
0: evidence. no, no definitive evidence. Like it's suggestive evidence.
1: Yeah, it's, it's exactly. It's suggestive is the same way. In the, right. you know, like, there's the there's the debate on ivermectin that's that is going on i'm i personally would want to want to see the randomized controlled trial data for ivermectin that in a well-done large randomized trial okay so that's to me makes sense that we should be wait for that to occur before we recommend it
0: apparently that happened by the recently there was some new study that showed that it was effective but there's also been studies i've heard
1: Yeah, but they're 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 too small that
0: they weren't weren't effective.
1: They're too, it's too, these studies are too small. They're all over the place. We need a large scale randomized trial to like answer the question better. And that's fine. That's I agree now, but there's tons of observational data showing ivermectin is really beneficial. So why are we allowing these are the observational data on, on the, on the vaccine to be used and, and, when, when we're not doing that, and then for ivermectin, they don't do it. I think that they're treating ivermectin, well, calling it silly, you know, silly names, like horse Warren right. is, is probably, that's silly, that's, that's not appropriate. But the, but like the medical community's stance on it, I understand, and I, it, it goes along with what I would agree with, in that you need randomized controlled trials to show it works, and we can't rely on op- these, like, observational data sets to say, like, look at how beneficial it is, because there's a problem with that. There's a problem with doing that, but why Why has society said that it's okay to do that for hospitalizations and death for the vaccines? Because that's what we've done. We've, we've allowed observational data to be the thing that's guiding us for this vaccine and for um, basically for our, our boosters now and the claim that, that, ob- that the vaccines, we know that they reduce severe disease, hospitalization, and death. That's Our data is the same as, as ivermectin for that. So why I don't understand right. why that one should get better treatment. One should get different treatment than the yeah. other.
0: And again, that that's, that ev- that observational evidence is just merely that people who have the vaccine have lower death rates and hospitalization rates compared to. Yes. unvaccinated. that that's, Yes,
1: that's the evidence. Yes.
0: Right. Well, that yeah, that brings up several hypothetical issues to mind. I mean, one thing you mentioned that I didn't even know about that unvaccinated people tend to be more obese i mean that right there is a huge confounder
1: yes I mean, there, there's conf- that, there are confounders and there yeah. they have to 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 just to there's confounders that are that can be measured actually and uh that that's been done and and tried where they where they do account for you know they make sure that in the observational data everyone's this, you know everyone's matched they call it like a match control so they match them with a person who's their same age same risk factors same weight all that, and you can do that, and 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 th- there are studies like that that exist that have found that the vaccines associated with decreased hospitalization and decreased death. But the problem is you can't account for all of those factors. There's factors that are unaccountable. Right, there always are.
0: Yeah, and then, then age is the other one too. People mm-hmm. who are vaccinated tend to be far older than those who are not. Yes. So with that that would kind of work in favor of vaccine being effective so that If that older people are in that group and you see lower ad, uh, oh lower no, no no
1: no if you if you look you know if if uh, if uh, you don't account for for age if you just look at hospitalization rate and don't account for age uh, i'm certain you know there's going to be more they're going to end up with it doesn't become that is not going to be so clear. It's the it's studies where they account for age that show that the vaccine is reducing hospitalization and death.
0: Right. Okay. Yeah. Cause you, yeah. Cause in older people, you may yeah. see higher adverse COVID symptoms than yes. in younger people. Mm-hmm. Right. And then not to mention other confounders too. I want, so, you know, obesity, age, I assume there's lots of other ones as well.
1: I, I also think that this is, this these, that, my, just my own personal anecdotal experience was that in right after the vaccine came out, the first couple of months of it, I, up until about June, really, it actually was true. And I I really just didn't see people with any break, I didn't see any breakthrough infections. And it so I I did at that time would say that the vaccine was pretty, like, obviously, reducing hospitalization in that first in the first time period, uh, the first six months. And then it became quite clear that there was the the need for the booster. there was a waning, um, but now it, i don't even see a, a major difference between between the like anecdotally i don't see a major difference when it's like it was very clear um, initially and so I, i'm just not certain <coughs> that the vaccine's working in the, in the uh, uh, you know under these different variants that that we can't, we can't rely on the original randomized trial data because it obviously isn't working it's uh, the variant is different now and we need to test out if it's working under the new variant and, and until we have randomized controlled trial data saying that it works. And then with the new variant, I, I'd have, I have trouble to, I have trouble to rely on, on randomized, on, on observational data to, to guide what, what is true to guide, you know, our understanding of what's actually true.
0: Yeah. And there's, um, I, I can't, uh, remember the exact data sets, but Alex Berenson on his sub stack has been reporting on certain countries where they are stratifying it by age and looking at number of deaths or percentage of deaths vaccinated versus unvaccinated and breaking it by age and finding higher in certain places he found higher rates of deaths and serious uh, and, and then hospitalizations in the vaccinated groups when divided by age and the unvaccinated groups um so i, I, yes. I have no idea what to make of that but
1: yeah well it's exactly the same like i, I said for the ob- that what you can make of it from the observational data showing there's a benefit so it's it's what you would ex- you would expect to find something like that that different places will have different findings on this and that's part of the issue i was saying before where you, if you if you have a mil, if you have a thousand places that you could report on on, you know, vaccination and hospitalization and and death from observe, you know, from the observational data, you're just if you have something that does nothing. If you have a, if the vaccine was purely just saline water, you're going to find some regions just by randomness where the vaccine looks really great, and find some where it does nothing, where it's where it's harmful. So you can so I'd expect even with a functioning vaccine, you, the observational data can be can be distorted just like with hormone replacement therapy. So, so the observational data, because, especially because any, you can, we're going to pick and choose which things get into studies because, and, and I know that the people, if if you have a a large region that you're showing what you're saying, Berenson found publishing that will be very difficult. And so, but yet publishing that it's the benefits there is going to be easy. So so it leads to uh, this bias in our of our understanding of how to interpret the observational data, of how
0: it's being interpreted. Yeah, so one example I just pulled up from and This is from November 2021, found using uh, British surveillance data, finding that vaccinated British adults between the ages of 10 to 50, between 10 to 59, are dying at twice the rate of unvaccinated people, 10 to 59. Okay, so... Cool. S- but yeah. what, if, what if in England,
1: because of their, you know, because of their system, they're out, um, they're really aggressively trying to find anyone with risk factors, and they're really getting, making sure that the people who are at the most risk are getting the vaccine. So then you'd end up with that result, and it, it's not necessarily the vaccine that's causing it. You, you can't,
0: this is the problem. Yeah, exactly, exactly. This is yeah, the problem
1: yeah. of these observational studies. And so you could end up with the, these confounders leading to any leading you in either direction and and so that that's that this is why they're on this is why they're not
0: reliable right but but the one thing you could i mean maybe say from this from this data that i'm talking about is that if the vaccines were so effective like effective effective as advertised initially you would not have this finding the people under 60 even with higher risks or whatever you
1: you're talking about covid deaths correct
0: um, actually, you know, this is all cause deaths.
1: So then, that's, so that's yeah. Then that, then you can't do anything. You can't.
0: That, no, so that's even more complicated than yeah. to do that. But I mean, no. yeah. but still, wouldn't you wouldn't you expect though if the vaccines were highly effective to find um, lower death rates in the vaccinated people under sixty?
1: No, no. Think of the harm the hormone replacement
0: therapy, right?
1: Observational data can totally distort the direction. In either in either direction, no matter. It doesn't matter how effective these things are. Like it 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 can't the 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 confounders can distort the can distort it dramatically. So so it's it's just not so simple to say oh we could definitely be certain of this we with this observational. The only time you can do that is 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 if you see something and it's like a hundred like a you know it's reducing it like so dramatically that you're like, okay, that actually is, is legitimate. It's it, when it becomes so obvious that it's, that it's unlikely to be a confounder because the, the correlation is so strong. Even then you should have some doubts, but like, that's like why I was saying with the myocarditis, even though that's really just an association with the vaccine, but it it's increases the risk probably fivefold or, you know, tenfold of what are your odds of having myocarditis within a two week period after the vaccine is really, really low. And then we see it pop up and so it's like, you know, probably 500% higher chance of of catching myocarditis. And so we go, okay, that's probably the vaccines that what I can't think of any other thing that's going to be associated with the vax. people who took the vaccine, that's going to randomly make that happen. But so there's certain things where you can, where, where observational data can lead you to things where you could be pretty certain on, but for things like COVID hospitalizations and knowing how bi- many risk factors go into controlling what leads to covid hospitalization it's it's a lot more diff- that's it's a lot more difficult to be confident with with what our observational data is finding mhm
0: yeah does that make yeah, sense yeah yeah i mean e- even if you had like the most effective vaccine and you compared unvaccinated and vaccinated groups and you were you were to find you, like you, you could still find higher death rates Yes, for vaccinated.
1: sure, for sure. I mean, the vaccine, even yeah. when at its at its top peak performance, we're saying ninety five percent effective, right? So, so that means it's you're twenty fold. That that translates to being you're twenty times less likely to, let's say, it's to be hospitalized, right? Ninety five percent. So, if you compared just to be, you know, we already said we try to control for age, but if you didn't, right? If you said, oh, like what what is a vaccinated um, a vaccinated 80-year-old versus an unvaccinated 50-year-old, like you're going to end up, obviously that the vaccinated 80-year-old is more likely to be, their their chances of being hospitalized are so much higher than, than, than the 50-year-old that, that it's obvious that you would find that, that it would make it look like the vaccines causing hospitalization. If you didn't, if you don't account for that. So, so people's risk of hospitalization for COVID is, the The different risk factors increase the chance of being hospitalized by so much that that a ch- having a difference in those risk factors the, the the difference is more than twenty fold right so so it could easily o- overpower it could easily overpower even a ninety five percent effective vaccine okay yeah does that make sense yeah no no that makes sense because think that's the thing. Think of it as 20 fold. It's a 20 it gives you a 20 fold less if you're 20 fold less likely to be hospitalized now because you have the vaccine but you're obese, right? I, what are your odds now of uh, you know, I I don't know actually how 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 much of a risk factor obesity is for hospitalization the exact number. But um and I'm sure it varies actually by how how obese the person is. But uh you, there there's a a perfect example where you could you could totally I could totally see being severely obese increases the risk of hospitalization by a hundredfold. Right? Mm. So then the the vaccine for that person doesn't their their risk is only, is still much higher than a non-obese unvaccinated person.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Just to so, yes. take, Yeah, yeah, just to take one other example before we go here another one that I found from Berenson. In the UK, this was last year they found Data showed that five times as many vaccinated people over 80 are dying of COVID as unvaccinated people over 80. And then Berenson says, yet the British government insists that the vaccines lower the risk of death by almost 90% of people who have had two shots in the booster. The reason that the British government is comparing the relatively large population of people over 80 who have been boosted with the tiny group that has been unvaccinated but the two large groups are not comparable. Many people over 80 who have not been vaccinated are simply too frail to tolerate even a single dose. Some of the people who have not been boosted are not receiving a third dose because they have had severe side effects after the second. So he's saying that it's not, you, you can't really compare those two groups that well. Exactly. That is the pro- That is the general problem of
1: yeah. all of all of observational things is that you, he, and he's identifying what one, one of the confounders that, 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 you know, that, but there's a lot of confounders and it's very impossible to, to figure this out.
0: Yeah. So, so so his, his conclusion there is right, that the British government should not be insisting, you know, that the vaccines lower risk by death by 90% in the triple vaccinated because of what these observational data is showing. Yes, you can't be certain that that's... Yeah. That, it, it could be real. It could be a real thing, it, but it doesn't, it doesn't mean that it is. Right. But, but but then, but conversely, you can't also say that the the vaccines are failing. Uh, yes,
1: exactly. You can't do it either way. There, right. it, there's, there's issues with it either way. Yeah. Yeah, so but, I mean,
0: but at the same time, we do know that they're losing effectiveness in stopping infection. So you could, you could, you could make the case that it, it is also, you know, quote unquote failing or losing effectiveness in uh, preventing deaths and hospitalizations as well. Right.
1: I, I believe the waning of the efficacy is, is the greatest evidence that there was efficacy. Yeah. So, right. so I believe, like I said, that in the, after the first shot, we did see, uh, I I believe anecdotally I saw um, a massive reduction in hospitalization in the vaccinated, in fact I don't think I saw any I didn't hospitalize anyone who was vaccinated first I'm about sick about a, couple, a good couple of months, and and so, but then once once it starts waning, then we're dealing you're dealing with a much more complicated situation of okay is it are we would it, then we have to compare you got to compare the boosted versus the versus the um, you know unboosted but vaccinated. And you need to have the trial that shows the hospitalization is reduced in that randomized trial to, to continue demonstrating that these boosters are, are doing what we want them to do, which is exactly that. Mm. So that, that, that's, that's the key thing that I believe that we need right now is, is to demonstrate that effect. And then all, and also amongst the, the variants and that's, that changes the equation.
0: Right. So, so it, it's still possible that the vaccines are still reducing hospitalization and death. Yes. We just don't, sure. we just don't for know. Sure. Yes, for sure. So they It's can't possible that. that they're also not.
1: Yes. Yes, it's possible. I think that, that, that they're both possible. I think it's most, most likely I would, I would bet that like there's, they are probably, I think that that is the most likely scenario. It's just that you, you, like I said, once when you are relying on observational data for your belief of, of a, a medical intervention, frequently throughout clinical history, clinical medicine history, when we do test it, it, it doesn't go the way that we think it would. And that's a very common, common issue that happens of, of a medical practice once it's actually one that seems to work. But then once it's actually tested, it turns out it doesn't. So right. so it's, a, it's just a very if you're if you do if you practice medicine, this is something you're, you are used to, we're used to seeing that happen. It's happened so many times. And there's so many stories of it that, uh, that it's just well known. But I think in, if you're in a normal population to understand like, wait, what do you mean? How, if they if they're, if the vaccine is associated with reduced hospitalizations in this observational data, then like, what the hell are you talking about? And it's difficult to explain that to someone who's, you know, hasn't who doesn't have history in clinical clinical medicine and because it seems obvious like oh if it's associated then that's what's what's doing it you know and it's like like how long it takes for me to like even like walk you through this it's it's kind of like this is these are these are complex questions that are not really well answered in like in like a news briefing in like a uh, on the news explain (laughs) explaining like like we're finding this benefit like in in like a soundbite these are these are complex. They're complex questions, and that that they're they're usually had within the, the confines of 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 science. And now we're having these conversations in general public, and people aren't equipped to understand how to interpret the, this data appropriately.
0: Yeah, yeah, and then there's the whole other issue too of even if the vaccines do reduce hospitalization and death by fifty percent, if how much are you actually reducing risk if the risk is um, already very low, right? If yes. if, if I'm ninety nine point nine percent likely not to die or get hospitalized from COVID, if I get something that reduces the risk by eighty percent, even I mean, what? How much risk am I actually reducing?
1: You'd be ninety nine point. <laughs> but yeah, it would be like if you're, if yeah. you're
0: ninety nine, you know, it'd be like a little bit less. It'd be <laughs> right. Yeah, and then and then but and then the other safety concerns too, right? So If, if it reduces yeah. hospitalization by eighty percent. And I'm, I'm not, and I'm 90% safe versus the myocarditis risk. So it's, it's a very complex assessment of risks and benefits, including your own risk. And then yes, and, and, then, and then, and then of course we already talked about the observational data. Even that isn't reliable, as I'm, you know, learning in this conversation. You, no. can't, you can't even say that. Like if somebody says, "Rav, you take this you know, booster shot, your chances of getting hospitalized are reduced by 40%." We don't even know that
1: no we do not and it's it's um it's the it's a problem of our current media environment and and the lack of ability to discuss these things in public without being ridiculed have uh, prevented honest discussions on these on this and it's a uh, detrimental to society it's detrimental to society to not have this to not be able to discuss these things in an honest honest manner yeah
0: well, I've been really appreciating this conversation. I'm learning a lot. Um, the, the other two things, which you can, if you have time to quickly address, according to however much time you have, you mentioned the FDA meeting. Are you about to reveal at all what happened there?
1: <laughs> we, we just went over our study with them. They, okay. they, just, they disagree with us. And, um, okay. Uh, that's kind of, yeah, the, we, they, they sat, they listened with us, and they spoke with us about it. They had some questions. Uh, but nothing. Uh, it's they did not. They they also said the observate. They so, so relied on the observational data, saying that the observational data is, is looking good, and uh, and they 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 yeah, It's I, I they, and that's fine. That they they can we can have a discussion about this and not and uh, they people can come to different interpretations of how of of the of our results that's that's perfectly okay if they they think okay this is you know these results aren't you know they would say you know like th- these results don't confirm that there's harm and we we could agree we we're just saying they raise concern and that you know this is kind of on them in our opinion to to investigate that further we asked them to repeat our study is actually what we did we asked them to repeat it because that's what's necessary in science is you shouldn't trust your results until they're repeated and uh they they have not yet repeated our study
0: so so the the disagreement was there any anything any legitimate like critiques they made on your study or they just relied on observational data
1: there are legitimate critiques that they made but i i, I think that it's we address these things it's the it, it's the participants versus events um they that's major Major piece, and and then the observational—it's it, not being seen. The observational data, exactly that kind of. But look, that's that's how they're interpreting it, and that's that's okay. But I, I still believe that that they should be repeating our study to determine if they get the same findings.
0: Right. Yeah. It's, it's not like they were able to dismiss your concerns based on the data that they have. Your concerns are so very much open to be investigated further. Right. Yes. Your, your concerns are legitimate and. And, and I, I know you're you're walking on eggshells talking about the FDA meeting, but they but they did not, um, they, they did not have any solid basis to just dismiss your concerns because th- there hasn't been any further rigorous study of your concerns.
1: I, yes, I believe that they should be doing a uh, for we and we've we're, we've sent them. Uh, we I don't know if we sent it yet, but we are sent. We're in the process of sending them. Another letter just basically asking that for that again, now that with, now with the peer review paper now that it's peer-reviewed.
0: Right, okay, also oh, so this was during the preprint. Yeah, yeah you said you had the meeting. No, it was
1: before the preprint.
0: Oh be- before okay. Yeah. right. yeah, so, so they, they should take it seriously. they should take the concern seriously and do further investigation. so ho- hopefully, yes. they, hopefully hopefully they do that.
1: No, yeah, I, I, I do hope they do, but instead they're doing mouse studies on Omicron. So an <laughs> Omicron booster. So I, they they definitely did not take them take our concerns seriously, and that, that, that I find that's disturbing. Important. Yes, it's disturbing. To, to, um, they, they, were, they were well aware of our study when they approved the Omicron booster with my, with my studies, and that that to me is not that was not a wise decision.
0: Hmm. And, and your study really is that noteworthy. Like there isn't a parallel study to what you've done. That's correct, as we already talked about. No, there isn't. Yeah, so you're, you're, you're really, like, kind of, like, other than sort of sub-stack, you know, analyses by informal people, you know, or, or, or even some, certain doctors are still, uh, certain doctors have their own, like, Substacks, like Dr. Robert Malone.
1: Yeah, I'm actually, so
0: I was, at, we were most
1: surprised that none of the sub-stack, uh, like, that whole community, that uh-huh. no one there figured out that, that there were more serious adverse events, just counting. All you had to do was count. The number of serious adverse events in the Pfizer trial. And you'd find out there were more. And I was shocked actually that no one, because those guys are, they, they're quite thorough, a lot of them. And so I was, we were surprised that, that that has been hiding in plain sight since these vaccines were released mm. and that, and that no one had, no one had talked about it. No one's brought up that, that issue from the clinical trial.
0: Right. Yeah. And actually one fundamental thing, if you want to briefly address this, like when you're looking at adverse events, I, f- I forget, like, you're actually looking at serious things, like, not just, like, stomach cramps or things that aren't actually yeah. serious. Yeah, they're
1: ser- they are serious adverse events. Yes, they, yeah. they're they defined as such in that they, the terminology for it is, it's, it's we listed it in our methods section, but it's uh, essentially life, life threat, like, life-threatening hospitalization, permanent disability. Um, you know, the, the, these are, that's, ser- serious means it was it, it was serious. It's not. It's not the same thing as a severe. Severe side effect is different. Uh, severe means is, is how severe it is. Like oh, my headache is really severe on a scale of one to five. If you hit a five, then it's a then it's severe. But serious means uh, that they're they're easily confused and uh, they're so it's these are two different things. Like there yeah. was an increase in severe side effects from the vaccine that's openly reported, but it's like fever you know like they had a number of people who had high fevers because if you go above a certain number on your fever then then they call it serious then they call it severe mm, okay but that's not necessarily serious you just get some tylenol and you go home you know right right okay
0: and then the most do you remember the most common ones that you found i think i was trying to look for this and maybe i, I didn't do a good job of trying to locate that but the most common serious events that you found
1: it seemed to be um D- disorders of, of, uh, blood of, um, of coagulation disorders. Oh, I so didn't read post, that. Basically, um, both, both, um, over clotting and, and under clotting, meaning bleeding. So okay. blood clots cause heart attacks, strokes, pulmonary embolisms. Um, but then you could have, but bleeds also were, would, you know, disorders of the bleeding of the, of the coagulation system that lead to bleeding, increased, increased, uh, brain bleeds, increased, uh, and, and so, yeah, it tend, that would be the ca- the ca- the category that I'd say would be the most consistent, um, across in both trials.
0: It's the, bl- the blood coagulation and the pulmonary spasms, and the heart attacks,
1: pulmonary embolism.
0: Oh, okay. It's a blood
1: clot in the lungs, but it, the, the clotting increased clotting and decreased clotting is, I guess what you can say. Right, the, the, those are the most common ones, the blood coagulation issues. Yes, but there's many more than that. They're not even that doesn't even represent half of them. So it's, it's, oh. it's, it's, it's more varied than just that.
0: Oh, okay. Oh, it's not that those are the majority. It's not
1: it. the majority. I it do is. not believe believe it is. I'd, I'd have to count that myself, but I don't believe that they were. They did. Yeah, they they were not the majority.
0: It's as many disorders that that uh, represent smaller small fractions that all add up to it. Yeah, you can you can see it in the in the, in the Okay
1: in the, in the in the article they we list out the number of each adverse event of special interest. Okay.
0: Um okay. I, I got to run. You do got to run. Okay. Um I was just going to also ask you about just the, the press you've gotten, but maybe you can email me that after it got peer reviewed and published what kind of pushback or like whatever response you're getting. I was also curious about that.
1: we, we were fact-checked by uh, several you know, by different fact checking sites that, that we believe in, inappro- very inappropriately um, critiqued our study. Uh, they, they accused us of something called p hacking, which is essentially fraud. Oh. And, and so, and that, that we don't believe that. that that's, I know that actually, there, it's like I know for sure there was no fraud that was done in this study. So to me, it's, it's one of these moments where you're seeing that people who are critiquing our study who the, the, when they have to rely on calling what we did fraud is the reason that they don't have to consider it. Let's tells me that it's like, Oh, this is a, this study is legit that you can't, if you can't critique, if if that's the critique you need to use. And I know for sure that the fraud that I didn't use, we didn't use fraud. I I know that because I did the study. Mm. So, so to me that I'm like, okay, this is, this is, there's not, you don't have good critiques on this so even even though there are some things like i said that are limitations of of the study they don't change the conclusion and so they yep. point to these to these issues that some of them are legitimate limitations and some of them were were just outright uh accusations of fraud that they had no no evidence of and didn't didn't occur so it you know it's the the fact checking sites are are uh right now currently uh promoting- mi- misinformation on our site mm.
0: and that that you're saying that happened after it was published
1: in the as a preprint
0: oh as a preprint that you were accused of fraud and yeah. all the, all the fact checks, but I was asking after it was published what the press or the Met or the response has been from anybody
1: it It's been pretty quiet from m- any of the major news organizations we've written to all of them to ask them to report on it. And so far there's one study, there's one article in Washington, like the wall street journal. It's an opinion piece that cites that basically cites our study, but uh, no, there's been very limited uh, outside of the press that you would expect to be writing about it. Mm. Right. Okay. So we, we, we hoped we, we hoped that that this would the study being published in a prominent journal peer-reviewed would be able to, uh, break through that, you know, wall of, uh, it, within the news, but, but it so, so far it has not.
0: Yeah. I mean, this should be in the New York times and the Washington post, but it's not. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. If About this
1: least. was another drug, if this was another drug, like, you know, this, this would, if this was a drug that was being given to everyone that <laughs> didn't have the same sort of, uh, Toxicity around around the discussion, right? It would it, it would it would be in in the press? This would be uh, there's no way that it wouldn't be, and it's it's sad that 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 it that it isn't.
0: Yeah. Well, hey, I I appreciate your time. Thank you so much. I, this is one of the longer ones I've done. Um, no worries. Part of my, pleasure. my pleasure. My pleasure. Yeah, and are you fine with me uploading these two, or do you want to? listen to it again or I'll, I'll, if you send
1: it to me, I'll, I'll take a listen to it and I'll get back to you quickly.
0: Okay. Um, yeah, I wonder, yeah, so I guess I'll have to publicly upload it then.
1: Mm-hmm. But
0: usually, um, the, this, this, <clears throat> this audience is very small right now, unless I put it on my sub stack, which then many people will listen. So I, I can publicly upload it. And at most, you know, 10 or 12 people might, might listen to it. And maybe, maybe even not that if I just upload it without promotion, so can can I just upload it and then you listen to it? Oh, you, you don't have a way,
1: you don't have a way to share it with without without making it public. No. Okay, then yeah, I guess that sounds like a reasonable way to do it.
0: Yeah, yeah, and again, not many people are going to listen to it unless I tweet it out to my forty thousand followers or Substack promote it, which which I which I won't do that then. So, um, all right, okay. sounds good. All right, Ple- pleasure talking with you. Yeah, appreciate your time.
1: Okay, bye bye bye